Hey there, horror movie fans! Welcome back to Here's Mimi Horror Movie Podcast. Continuing on with our audience recommendations on specific horror films they want to see reviewed, today we're doing a combination of 2018's Hereditary and 2019's Midsommar, both directed by none other than Ari Aster. Starting off with Hereditary, it is a film that centers around one's path of grief and their ability to accept or succumb, inevitably ending in death. While Midsommar is an ascension that deals with healing even though in an unconventional and macabre manner. You see, Hereditary follows the story of a matriarch of the Graham family who passes away, and her daughter and grandchildren begin to unravel this cryptic and increasingly terrifying secret about, you know, their ancestry, trying to outrun the sinister fate that they have inherited. It is in a strange supernatural horror that relies on this ritualistic calamity that incorporates this extensive vulnerability. We are not given background information as the film begins with what seems to be the end but is told and confirmed through the dialogue of the characters involved. In the name alone, Hereditary follows much of the guidelines we see in Greek tragedy, even referencing Sophocles' woman of Trachis in both an obsolete and upfront approach. To give a little context, Women of Trachis follows Hercules, who receives the signs of his demise by dint of his wife, which he chooses to disregard. In the same scene, the teacher discusses these Greek plays and goes on to mention Oedipus, who was prophesied to kill his father and marry his mother. So he decides to run away to avoid the fulfillment of the prophecy, but we all know how that turns out, Oedipus gouging his own eyes out, which is later mimicked in the end in such a grotesque and brilliant execution, pushing for the narrative of fate and how one cannot change what was destined for them. When observing the two stories together, first from the mental illness perspective, don't ignore the signs that are given around you, but on the other hand, it is seen as a more tragic, if one's fate, regardless of all the precautions you take, is inevitable. When you meet the characters, especially the mother Annie, you think she has gained control of her life, her situation, as each element unravels. But by the end, you learn she never had it. Each aspect of this film mirroring that of the myths they are told, while Annie takes those precautions and her son Peter ignores it. Not to mention the purposeful, misleading poster for this film that has you believing our protagonist is Annie's daughter, Charlie, until she is decapitated in one of the most horrific scenes that left me and the rest of the moviegoers mortified and silent perfectly resembling that of Peter's initial reaction. This is when the movie begins to take a shift, and again, this is done purposely. Everything internal and external is elaborate, and at Charlie's funeral, you truly get that sense of woe, unlike the matriarch's funeral in the beginning, which had a cold and tense presence. Horror doesn't only attribute to gruesome death and fantasy creatures, but animosity among family when society views family as a functional and necessary unit for humans to survive and thrive. But even a family has its flaws, its baggage that doesn't leave even after one's death, but can continue to linger and disrupt. Annie copes using her miniatures, her form of grief and control, but in another lens, the miniatures represent reality in the sense of the family being puppets, always being played to the favor of the cult. Like the miniatures, the family is framed for all to see. You believe we are dropped in a Hitchcock film. Coming to terms that all the events that have transpired were put together by Ellen's cult to release the soul of the demon Lord Payman to a male host, Peter, our real protagonist. Everyone needs to watch this movie twice, once from the perspective of the Graham family and the other from the cult. 
astonishing how it tells two separate stories. But I'm getting ahead of myself because Peter had to hit a level of vulnerability to be susceptible to such transfer. And his relationship with his mother after the fact of Charlie only made for one hell of a dinner, expressing true anger, guilt, sorrow, and a hopeless outlook that deters safety, which traditionally a mother and father figure provide. Extremely unapologetic, extremely uncomfortable. But that's what makes this so realistic. Annie may be attending these therapy sessions to avoid falling down the path of her family's history of depression and to hold her family together in a way her mother neglected to do with her, but that is the least of her concerns. But the outcome of life cannot be determined and none of us are truly in control of what's to come. You can't escape family. You can't escape who you are. Some things are just hereditary. A year later, we were blessed with a partner piece, Midsommar. Again, a partner piece, not a sequel but has been referred to by others as a like spiritual sequel, you can say. Midsommar contains extreme differences in narrative and rhetoric identity. It is a folklore horror that follows Danny, whose sister suffers from mental illness and committed a murder-suicide along with her parents, leaving Danny alone and in overwhelming grief. She then travels to Sweden with her substantial boyfriend, Christian, whose name can be seen symbolic if you think about it, and others to visit their friend's rural hometown for its fabled midsummer festival but what begins as a retreat quickly devolves into an increasingly violent and bizarre competition at the hands of a pagan cult similar to hereditary the devils are in the details and once you figure it out the story reveals itself the main giveaway that midsummer is a follow-up film is brought to us in the very beginning with the grief-stricken and traumatized nature that leaves the atmosphere with a sorrowful tone just as hereditary ended but as the plot is driven here, we learn that Midsommar also attempted to regain control. Not of death, but emotions toward it. What I find intriguing and important is that the director, Ari Aster, said it himself that this is a breakup movie. Just a lot more morbid. Christian has lost compassion for Danny, but is too coward to end it, which is given to us based on his lack of communication. Also just putting forth his ignorance and the American ignorance of his friends who were only there for exploitation, with the expectation of one who was just incredibly oblivious to his actions, leading to all of their demise. The cult in Midsommar takes attributes from history and all of their traditions are seen to be customary to them. An example is the spiritual suicide of the two elders who hit their age of life and takes control of their own death with the mindset of accepting instead of one dying from natural or unnatural occurrences that leave those around them to suffer. The body horror in this film is perfectly disturbing and symbolic in such a grotesque, traditionally cynical approach. Not to mention everyone was on drugs most of the time, so emotions were heightened and spontaneous in reaction. At one moment, Christian is drugged, pleasurely objectified, and left with the fear of helplessness, being split from reality and put into this existential isolation that Danny encountered the entire time valuing the concept of support and empathy, which the cult does for Danny, Slowly exposing her to the ritualistic and ideal lifestyle they live, providing that family and safety she has been longing for, eventually being crowned May Queen in the end, leaving Christian to be paralyzed mentally and physically, and burning with others willingly and unwillingly as a means to burn away sorrow by absorbing it or redirecting as one to heal. Now this cult is flawed, since their prophecy is being changed constantly and contradicts their own beliefs of healing by using others' pain and suffering to reach such a state. A very common contradiction we see in film and literature. 
This is why religion or those types of systems are so prevalent. It's a way of comforting the soul during hardship and teaches us it's okay to have others by you when you need help. Now, when looking at both films, what we can take away from it is as much as you try, no one can prepare themselves for death, whether unexpected or predicted in advance. There is still that unknown afterwards. I guess you can say family is its own cult, no matter who you call family, and will always be genuine in their intent and surround you with love, which brings about that peace that is needed. So maybe not all cults are bad. I say Midsommar has somewhat of a happy ending. Danny now has the family she always wanted and is protected by the demons that kept her bound throughout. She has now found happiness, which is all she ever wanted. An ending not seen in most horrors, but beautiful in its own terrifying way. I absolutely love these two movies. I think Ari Aster is an incredible director and I truly cannot wait to see what he has in store for us in the future. Until next time, ciao now!